Hey, welcome again to the NPFCC Messages podcast. You're about to listen to one of the messages in a five-part series called One Another, where we do a deep dive into how we really experience biblical community. If you're new to our church, one of our three primary vision statements is experience community, because we believe that you absolutely cannot grow into the person God has created you to become without other followers of Jesus around you. So with that said, though we love that you're listening to this podcast, we hope that you actually process this content in community. So if you're not a part of a life group yet, we cannot encourage you enough to jump into one. So head to npfcc.org slash lifegroups to learn more. We hope you enjoy this message. Man, it is awesome to see all of you this morning. We are so glad that you're here, whether you're here uh, in the room or you're joining us online. It is great to have you here. Um, I hope that you are just encouraged by being here this morning. Um, I want to start out, we, we, um, I, Brenda and I were supposed to go on a vacation um, last couple weeks, and that got all fouled up, and instead we ended up with a new grandbaby, um, which is a wonderful thing, and uh, thank, you for, uh, thank you for all the prayers for our, our little granddaughter Paisley. Um, with, if everything goes as planned today, she should cross the uh, threshold and uh, be up to five pounds today, so we're, we're thankful for that. And she's doing great, so thank you all. Uh, thank you for your prayers. One of the things we we're going to do on our vacation was we we're going to head up. Uh, we we're going to drive home down the coast. And I don't know if you've ever seen the redwood trees up in Northern California, but they are absolutely um, amazing. They're, it's absolutely beautiful up there. Um, the redwood trees are some of the tallest trees in, in the world, and a healthy redwood tree will grow like ten feet per year. But while they're some of the tallest trees in the world, their root systems are like super, super shallow. Like even the tallest, even trees that are 100 feet tall have root systems that only go 6 to 12 inches deep into the ground. Uh, One of the most amazing things about them is, is that while they go shallow, they spread out and they can go out 60 to 100 feet out. Um, but, but what makes it even more amazing is the way in which all these trees will interlock their roots together. They don't get their strength by just like sinking their roots down. They, they get their strength by interlocking their roots with the trees around them. And so they're literally holding one another up in these amazing groves of majestic trees. And, and one of the things I, I was kind of studying about this and arborists have discovered that these mighty trees can somehow communicate with one another. Like in the fires and things that we've had more recently, um, they can tell when, when a tree um, gets damaged, when a tree gets sick, there's pests and different things that come in. And, and the trees somehow know this. And they can somehow communicate with one another. And what happens is, is they store these sugars and these other nutrients inside of their root system. And when one tree gets sick, they actually will send their extra sugar and nutrients into these trees to help them get well. And it's absolutely amazing how they do that. And, and when I was, I was reading about that, I was thinking, you know, God has created this incredible interdependence and community into these amazing redwood trees. And he's done the same thing for his people, the church. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the reality that God never intended any of us 
to just do this thing called life alone. In fact, before sin even entered the world, the one thing that was bad was he said, it is not good for man to be alone. We, we are not supposed to go at this life alone. And that is why in God's infinite wisdom, he created this wonderful thing we call the church. And, and we hope that you derive nourishment, that you're upheld, that you grow stronger because you're together. And that's why you will hear us over and over and over again harp on this whole idea of like getting into a small group where you're getting close together and where you're basically crossing roots with one another and holding each other up. That's why we want you to come to Next Step so that you can connect and get to know people and understand what we're all about and how you do that. That's why we have this thing called Rooted, right? I mean, could we come up with a better title than that, right? That we root and we interlock together so that we grow together because, folks, this world is more than any of you can handle on your own. And some of you know it because some of you have tried, Week in and week out, I try and I fail miserably and I need people around me. And so that's why we've been doing uh, this series. In fact, I want to pause for just a moment because, you know, in, in a very real fashion, I know we, we have one family that's kind of struggling this morning um, because uh, we, I don't, if you have heard on the news, there were uh, three, I think it was three Marines um, who were, lost their lives overnight in Australia. And um, uh, we have one uh, of those Marines, well, well, not one of those, we have a Marine who's part of the family of our church, uh, the James family, um, Tyler um, Dagan, he is over there in Australia, um, and they're struggling this morning because they haven't heard much. And so we want to kind of wrap our arms around them, but also pray for the families um, who have lost loved ones. Um, because that's what we do. We come alongside each other. So, um, so I know the family's sitting right over here. So if, if anyone's sitting by them, just reach out a hand. You guys can kind of just raise your hand over here. They're going to, we're going to have some people just reach out and lay a hand on their shoulders. And we're going to pray for them this morning and for the, uh, for these other families who are struggling this morning. So, uh, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord. Um, we struggle. And God, there's, so much pain in the unknown. There's so much struggle, Father. Our kids um, are just so important to us. And Father, I, I just I pray for for Matt, for Renee, for Mary, for the rest of the family, Father. That Lord God, you would just strengthen them. That Lord God, you would um, you would keep um, those Marines that are over there safe. And Father, those ones who. Um, who paid the ultimate price, Father, right? We, we just pray, Father, for their families. That, Lord God, you would, uh, I pray that this morning they have people around them, strengthening and upholding them. And we pray ultimately that they find their strength in you. Lord, thank you that with anything we can come to you. We trust you, Father, and we put our lives in your hands. Father, I pray that you would give them your comfort and your peace. And Father, we would love some information. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Yeah, over the course of this um, series, we, we've been talking about the fact that in the New Testament, there's 59 different one another statements. And we're supposed to, obviously, the first one, love one another. We're supposed to serve one another, forgive 
one another, which by the way, today after service, we have a forgiveness uh, seminar. If you, um, if you haven't signed up for that, you can see Pastor Juan um, uh, about that. It's over in, I think it's in F, room F23. And, and we we're supposed to carry one another's burdens, which we talked about last week. We're supposed to pray for one another. We're supposed to be devoted to one another. We're supposed to honor one another. We're supposed to teach and admonish one another. We're supposed to sing hymns and songs of praise to one another. We're supposed to greet one another with a holy kiss, which you guys still haven't quite figured out how to do that as a church. We don't have a... In South America, man, you ought to be there. It's amazing to watch those people just love on each other. We show hospitality to one another. We live in harmony with one another. We confess our sins to one another. We live, we live and support one another. We value one another above ourselves, and there's so many more. And when we do this one anothering thing well, our lives are better. Our relationships are healthier. Our work is more productive. Our influence in the world is definitely stronger, and our dialogue is more constructive, and our witness is more effective when we one another really well. Because that's how God has designed this to happen. And today we're going to turn our attention to what I think is one of the most needed of the one another's in our world and in our culture today. And that's how we encourage one another. The Bible's full of verses on encouraging one another. And this whole idea of encouragement is pretty big in the Bible. Uh, the, the word that's most often translated and used, especially in the New Testament, for encouragement is a word called, it's up on the screen here, it's called parakleo, okay? And if you've been around church for a while, you've kind of maybe heard that parakleo word before because it's the same word that's used for the Holy Spirit is called our paraclete, our encourager. And the whole word means, it's kind of split into two. The first part, para, means to come alongside, means come alongside. And then the second part, kaleo, means to call out. So the whole idea of this word encouragement is that we're supposed to come alongside somebody and then call out, right? We think it's all about like, yes, we should put something in, but it's like sometimes it's calling out of them who they are intended to be. We're, we're calling out the part of them that is created in God's image, that God has gifted, and that we're just saying, hey, we want you to, we want to call that out of you. And so encouragement is all about that. It, it can also be to put courage in. Because our word encouragement, right? The word E-N just means in, right? And courage. We're supposed to put courage into one another. We're, we're coming alongside to help one another have the courage to do this life. The Bible tells us that God is our encourager. In 2 Corinthians 1.3, it says, Praise be to our God and Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all parakleo. It's really the word, the word comfort there is really the word for encouragement in our Bibles. And they're, they're very closely related, but he wants to encourage us and comfort us. Romans 15, uh, 5 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind towards each other that, that Christ Jesus had. So God gives us this encouragement. Then we're told that Jesus gives encouragement in 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. 
like I said before, the Holy Spirit is actually called our encourager, our paraclete, the one who comes alongside of us, strengthens us, gives us courage. And that power is living inside of us. We're told that scripture was given to us to encourage us. In Romans 15, 4, it says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Man, you want encouragement in your life? Just be in God's word every day. There is encouragement in the scriptures. And of course, we're called to encourage one another. And this is a big one we're going to like settle into today. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 18 it says, "Therefore encourage one another with these words." Well, what words you might ask? Well, the verses right before that, verses 16 and 17 say this, "For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so that we will be with the Lord forever. Folks, is that encouraging or what? Right? I mean, as bad as things can get, there is a hope in this end time that Jesus is going to return. And people keep asking me, is Jesus coming back soon? And I keep saying, I sure hope so. But the reality is, is there is hope in that, and we're supposed to encourage one another with those words. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. H- how many of you, in some way, shape, or form, felt a little torn down this week? Anybody have a little tear-down moment? Yeah? We all go through the week, and we have moments where we maybe don't feel like, hey, we're, we're being encouraged, but we're, we're feeling a little bit torn down. Well, the Bible says, hey, that's why we're supposed to come together and build one another up, because we are called to build one another up in a world that is constantly trying to pull one another down and to discourage one another. Hebrews three twelve to 13 says, but encourage one another daily. Daily. How often? Yeah, encourage one another daily. So I got a question for you. Who did you encourage already today? Did you encourage somebody today? Daily, we're supposed to encourage one another. It says, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We help each other avoid sinfulness and not get hard hearts in our lives. How? By encouraging one another. I've been watching this work out with a group of guys this year. It's awesome how in just encouraging one another, it is helping each of us like not get stuck in our same old routines, not get stuck in the simple habits that we have, just to encourage one another. And it's powerful. And one of my favorites, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Did you notice the other one another in that verse? It says, spur one another on. You guys know what a spur is, right? Yeah, it's a a sharp kick in the hind spot, right? It's like get, every once in a while, we need a little uh, encouragement. We need a little spurring on, right? Because let's, let's face it, we're not all 100% on our game every day. 
And there, there are times when we just need someone to come alongside and say, come on, let's get going again. Come on, let's keep moving in God's direction. Come on, let's be there for one another. And let's encourage and build one another up so we can keep going. Then it says, hey, don't give up meeting together. Why? Because we need to be together. Just being here in the room is encouraging. One of my favorite things to do is watch you guys during greeting time. Because I'm watching as people just hug on one another and love one another and connect with one another. Because it's a great symbol of health in the body of Christ when we get encouragement just by being together. Aren't you encouraged when you show up? Here's the thing, uh, you know, and, and again, you, you guys are here, I'm preaching to the choir, but man, it says, hey, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, don't make it a habit of not meeting together. Like, man, I, I mean, when I was growing up, man, it was like when the church doors were open, we were there. I think I just needed a lot of encouragement. <laughs> I think a lot of people, well, I think a lot of other people thought I needed spurring on, if you know what I mean. But the reality is we need, <laughs> excuse me, we need one another and we need to encourage. And just your presence here, you never know. You never know on any given week what conversation you might have, what opportunity you might have on any given week just to encourage somebody by being here. And it's so important. And, and, and what's interesting about that word spur on, it, it, it's the whole idea um, that it's a sharper encouragement, and we aren't really good at that either. It carries with us this same idea of coming alongside, but motivating someone in God's direction for their life. Like someone coming alongside and saying, hey, you know what? Let, you need to move in God's direction. God has a great plan for you. Are you moving in that direction? You know, Jesus was a great example of this. Um, if you take a look at this example, he, he was really great at this, especially with the Apostle Peter. You, you guys remember Peter, right? He, he, he's the guy with the uh, foot-shaped mouth, right? Like the size 11D uh, mouth, right? Because he was always sticking his foot in his mouth. Uh, Matthew, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 19, there's an there's a interaction that happens with Jesus and his apostles. And it says, when, when they came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples... Who do people say the Son of Man is? And, and you have to understand, there, there's a lot of context there. I, we've shared some of this with you before if you've been here for a while. Uh, Caesarea Philippi is a place, it's on the northeastern border of Israel, up in the Galilee area. And it was a border, it was on a tr massive trade route. But it was this place that um, was just kind of a combination of all these different cultures and they would all intersect on this trade route it was kind of a place where east and west collided it was a place where people came from all over the world to bring their goods to be sold um, they would either head south towards Jerusalem or they'd he head up north towards in into Turkey and different places and so it was this big place where all these people would come together and not only would they come together, so they, they had all kinds of amazing cultural interaction there. But with that came this whole idea that there were a lot of different gods that were worshipped there. And if you walk in even today to this site, there, um, as, as you come down the main road, uh, in, the, in the wall there's all these little like niches in the side of the wall and that in these niches, there were statues to all these gods. 
And so as you came into the city, you would just come in and you could pretty much find whatever God you were used to worshiping, right? In the, in the niches of these walls. Because people from all over the world would come and say, oh, you know, and if you had a God that wasn't up there, you'd say, hey, what about our God? And they'd just put another niche in and say, okay, we'll put your God there. And so it's in this climate, in this place, where Jesus sits the apostles down. He gets all his guys in a circle, right? And he says, hey, guys, who do people say I am? Right? Because this is a place where there's gods everywhere. But what about, like, who do people say that I am? And, and the apostles, they spoke up and they said, you know, they looked at Jesus and they said, well, uh, they replied, some say John the Baptist, right? Some, some say Elijah. Now, you got to remember, those two people are already dead. So what's that saying about who Jesus is, right? They thought he was like one of those guys come back from the dead. And, and then they said, or maybe Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Again, these are people from the past who are already dead. They're like, so you gotta be somebody important, somebody special. And then Jesus stops him and he says, well, what about you guys? I don't care what the rest of them out there, I don't care what the word on the street, what, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter, in that moment, utters was probably the most powerful words that have ever come out of a human being's mouth. He looks at Jesus and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. In a setting where every God goes, where you can worship whatever you want, where everything is available to you and all these other things, Peter says, you know what? You, you are somebody unique. You are the Christ, the anointed one. You are the savior of the world. You are the rescuer of this world. And, and Jesus looks at Simon Peter and he replies, he says this in verse 17, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my, by my Father in heaven. And he goes on and he says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He looks at Peter and he says, that that didn't come from just something you thought up. That came from something deep down inside of you, Peter. And Jesus was calling that out of Peter. He's like, hey, who, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter's like, you are the Messiah. You are the son of God. And, and Jesus is going, yeah. Yeah, Peter, keep going, right? And then he turns to Peter and says, you are Peter, Right? The word Petra means rock. It's like, you are the rock. He says, on what you just said, that will be the foundation of the church moving forward throughout all history. That thing you just said, that is the foundational statement of the church moving forward into all of eternity. I mean, think about the power in that. And, and Jesus knew that what Peter was facing, what Peter was gonna need to do in the rest of his earthly life, that that guy was gonna need some encouragement. So Jesus calls it out of him. Says, Peter, you are, you are a rock. 
He, he doesn't say you'll become a land. He says you are a rock. And I was thinking like, he's like, you, you are like rocky. I was thinking like the music might have started. Dun, 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 right? I'm like, come on. Like, he's just like encouraging Peter. Like, this is who you are. This is who you are meant to be. Folks, that's what encouragement is all about. Nice words are wonderful. And platitudes are good. But like encouragement is like calling out what we see in one another, the, the part of God that resides inside of us and calling each other to achieve something greater than we could achieve on our own. Saying, hey, there is something, there's some God image in you that we're calling out and saying, hey, that's the life that you're supposed to be after. Don't settle. Don't settle for the stuff that the earth tells you you need. Don't settle for the stuff that you think might just make you happy here on earth. There is an eternal quality of God's image placed in your life, and we want to call that out of one another. Folks, that's when powerful things happen. When we call out that part of God that is living inside of us, and we encourage one another to live in that framework and we are living in a world that is starving for encouragement, starving for it. From, from about the time that he could walk, our, our grandson Carter, I, I know that they probably hate the fact that they're like a constant illust sermon illustration, but our grandson Carter, what, what, I, I was just watching this video the other day when he was a little teeny guy. Like from about the time he could walk, he loved to hit the baseball. You know, and I, I got him the little Dodger bat and ball, and I would just throw, and it was amazing. I was like, as a grandpa, right, because you're the proud grandpa, like, you know, I'd throw the ball, he'd hit it. I was like, whoa, this kid's going to be a star, right? Yeah, it's just kind of what you do. I was like, oh, man. Like, um, but he, was, he was, had great eye-hand coordination. I was, he was hitting, hitting the ball. One day we were out in the backyard, and, you know, I had gotten a bunch of these little golf balls, those little mini wiffle golf balls, and, and I would just throw them, and he would hit the ball. I said, okay, Carter, so let's, let, you know, let's, let's hit. And, he, and so I would throw the ball, and this one, he hits it, and he hits it really far. And I looked at him, and I said, run! And he stopped. <laughs> right? And, and then he put his little hands on his hips, and he says, no, Papa. He says, you yell yay. <laughs> right? We all want encouragement. Right? We all want people to say, to cheerlead. We all want people to say, yay, look at you. Like, you are awesome. Folks, there are people who are sitting next to you that need to know how amazing they are. Here's what I want you to do this morning, okay? You all got to leave encouraged this morning. Turn to the person to your right and just say, yay, I'm glad you're here. All right, now... Turn to the person on your left and do the same thing. <laughs> right? Folks, we, we live in a world that's so hungry. We're all looking for this encouragement. I, I think the reason that we all, we all long for it so much is because we live in a world that's full of a spirit of discouragement. Like Devin mentioned, that our, our media, our social media, the political debates that are starting now and all that crazy stuff are filled with discouragement. I mean, the debates are like a verbal bloodbath, right? As the, each of the hopeful candidates just want to tear each other down. I mean, there's not a whole lot of building up going on 
in our political campaigns, is it? I mean, it, they work so hard to discredit one another. Every day we're bombarded with advertising that makes us feel deficient. I mean, do you ever think about that? The, the role of all the people on Madison Avenue, all the marketing people, all, all the people that, you know, are, are trying to get us to buy products, you know the main way they do that, right, is they make you dissatisfied with your life, right? I mean, it, 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 they, if, if they, if they want to sell you shampoo, right, then, then they have to make sure that you think that your hair looks horrible without their shampoo, right? And so I can buy anything, I, or nothing, and that's all good, right? If, if, you know, I mean, think about all the products that, that are on the market, right? I mean, you know, sorry, ladies, but like I was walking down the aisle the other day, and, I, and it's all these, like, I could not believe how many hair color, like, things there are, right? And, uh, just at the grocery store. I'm thinking, oh, I thought you went somewhere and got, you know, but it's like, you go to the grocery store, there's all these different, and, and the whole idea is they want you to feel discouraged with how your hair is now, so you got to buy their product. That's what they're all about. They're all about discouraging you so that you will buy what they're selling. And so this world is constantly trying to rip us down and tell us we're no good because, and you know why? So they can sell us some kind of pseudo happiness that might try to fill the gap for a few moments. And all the while we have a God who is saying, hey, no, you are my child created in my image. You are special, you are unique, you are gifted, you are loved, and God wants you to be encouraged with that because that, my friends, will last into the next life. We need people who will stand up against the discouragement of the world and be an encouraging voice. I guess my big question for you this morning is will it be you? There's a person in the Bible that was a great encourager, so much so that his name, they called him the son of encouragement. In Acts chapter 4, verse 36, it says, there was this man named Joseph, right? Um, and, and he was a Levite, right? So he, he was raised up in a priestly family, but he was from the island of Cyprus. And it says, whom the apostles called Barnabas, maybe you've heard of him before, which means the son of encouragement. And this guy lived up to his name in some pretty amazing ways. Um, you maybe remember the story of, the, um, of Saul, who later on his name got changed to Paul, right? Well, when he was Saul, right, at the beginning stages of the church, when the church was just getting started, he was a Jewish rabbi, leader, elder in the synagogue, you know, this guy was like a religious leader guy, and he was also a fanatic. He, he was so into his religion that when Christianity first started, he wanted nothing more than to absolutely stomp it out, even to the point where he was going around killing Christians. I mean, he was going from city to city. And it says he was breathing murderous threats. And he would drag these people out, right, and make an example, and they would stone these Christians to death. And it says one day, he was on his way to Damascus. He had gotten some letters so he could go to Damascus, and he could grab these Christians and then have them executed or thrown in prison because of their faith. 
And on that road, he, uh, he encountered Jesus. In, in this personal and powerful way, he encountered Jesus on that road, and it absolutely changed his life. He went from breathing murderous threats to preaching the gospel, from hating Christians to being one, and became the person who wrote most of our New Testament. It's probably the greatest, greatest preacher of the gospel that, that has ever lived. But what happened was, is you think about this. So he's on this road. He's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It's just out in the desert. And he has this encounter with Jesus, right? And everybody knows this guy's going around city to city killing Christians. And out in the middle of the desert, this guy has this encounter. And there's some people with him, and there's a whole story. You can go read Acts chapter 9, um, 8 and 9, if you, if you want to get in on the story. But... Um, and so he, he's, he has this encounter, he, and it says, hey, he, he goes to this guy's house, and then um, this guy named Ananias, and he helps him out, um, uh, and, and he says, hey, uh, he touches his eyes, he's able to see again, all, all these other things. Well, he's like, now what do I do, right? And he spends some time away, uh, later on you find out, you know, he went into Arabia to, to learn and to study and to kind of figure this whole thing out. Then he comes back, he comes back and says he goes to Jerusalem, right? The epicenter of Christianity at the time. And it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 26 and 27, it says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the other disciples, right? He's like, hey, he went back going like, hey, I'm one of you now, right? Like, hey, I, I accept Jesus. But it says, but the, but the disciples were afraid of him, not believing he really was a disciple. And I love this next little statement. There's all these great like but statements in the Bible. It says, but Barnabas, Right, remember him, son of encouragement? It says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and how the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. How he was heading to kill Christians and then he ended up going and preaching the gospel there. I mean, Barnabas lived up to this name, the son of encouragement. He encouraged Saul by saying, hey, he came alongside and said, hey, this guy, this guy is one of us. This guy needs some encouragement. This guy, God is gonna do something special with him because God showed up and changed this guy's life. See, that's, that is the kind of encouragement we wanna be for one another. We come alongside, we put our arm around one another and we say, hey, there is something awesome going on in this person's life. There is some God stuff going on in this person's life, and we need to get behind this guy, and we need to start encouraging him to do what God has planned for him to do. And, and we, know, we know it's hard sometimes for people to, to come to church, right? They need somebody like you to come alongside them and say, hey, hey, it's, it's going to be okay. The roof won't cave in, right? To encourage one another. And so we want to come alongside people around us and point them to see the image of God in their lives and to continue to live that out. So real quickly as we kind of close up, how do we encourage one another? The main way, the main way of encouragement, I think you can come alongside, you can put your arm around another, just be there for people, that's huge. But the main way I think we encourage one another is through our words. Through our words. And, and the reason I say that is this, is because Words in our world today 
have incredible impact, right? We all know the power uh, of words. And we today, in our world today, we are using and consuming more words than ever. But unfortunately, most of the words that we're using and consuming today are not encouraging words. They are discouraging words. One study that I looked at found that uh, back in 2020, um, Americans consumed 306 billion emails, 4.5 trillion text messages, 5 million tweets, 525 million hours of YouTube, and 2.5 quadrillion, that's like a one with 15 zeros, bytes of data. And that was per day. It's not like per year or anything, that's like per day. We are flippantly throwing words around all over the place. And I'm going to guess that most times we're not paying a whole lot of attention to what those words are doing. You know, the, the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 21, says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Folks, we are created in the image of God. Now, having the image of God in us makes there something very powerful and special about our lives. But think about this. How did God create the world? Yeah, words, right? He spoke it. He spoke it into being. See, our words are powerful because God's words are powerful. Our words are powerful because we're created in an image of God who uses words to do powerful things. Just like Jesus calling out of Peter or Barnabas calling this out of Saul, like words are powerful tools that God has given to us, but he's giving them to us and for the Christian, those are powerful, a powerful tool to help build one another up and encourage one another. And so we want to encourage, not discourage. We want to build up, not tear down with our words. An article in Harvard Business Review uh, was shared by this uh, a psychiatrist, John Gottman. And he said this, they, they did this study where they studied the impact of the ratio of positive to negative words on a person's life. They started off and they started to study it in marriage. And they found this incredible correlation between um, marriage um, satisfaction and marriage longevity to the amount of positive to negative words that each that the, the, the marriage couple had. They discovered that there was an ideal ratio that, that caused longevity and satisfaction and growth in a marriage. And it was that there was five positive words for every one negative word. So five positives for every one negative was that was like the, the like, the best ratio that they, that they found, right? Now, then they took that study and they found that the study was 94% accurate predicting on whether the marriage would even make it or not. And the, more, the, the less uh, positive words to negative words, right, uh, determined like how well the marriage would do. Then they applied the same study to businesses. And they discovered that when a business atmosphere where there was at least five positive or encouraging statements to every one negative, that the business was more productive, that people enjoyed working there more, right? Well, that makes sense. Then they'd studied it on parents and children. Uh-oh. 
and they discovered that children who received five positive comments to every one negative um, did better at school, actually did better in their extracurricular activity, all these things, right? Because they had this positive nature in their life. And while we need words of correction and discipline, it seemed that this study was saying that, hey, this ratio of at least five positive um, encouraging words to every one negative seemed to be perfect. So here's the problem. The problem is, is while they were doing this study, they discovered this. According to the data, the average American today in all those different arenas gets three negative comments to every one positive. And that's the world we live in. So folks, we need to change that. If we want things to improve in our marriages, in our homes, in our community, in our world, in our country, I mean, could you, how, how mind-blowing would it be if we had political debates where they complemented one another? Right? You'd be like, what planet am I on? But could you imagine that? Like, if, if whoever got put in office was a person who complimented others the most, who, in, who was most encouraging, like, where would we find that person, right? I don't think they're running around in Washington. Like, what would, ha- what would happen? Folks, but we, we need to change this. So let me ask you something. If that verse says, hey, the tongue has the power of life and death, then here's the thing. Are your words life-giving or are your words life-taking? Do your words argue, complain, slander, tear down more often? Or do they encourage, bless, give life to the people around you? I want you to think about that this week while you're interacting with people whether it's at the grocery store or the person at the drive-thru or the person at work in the, you know, in the desk next to you or the person at school or wherever you're at, the neighbors around you, are, are the words that you're using breathing life? Because here's the thing, if you say nothing, then you're just letting what happens in the rest of the world be what happens in their life. You're just standing by letting them get torn down by the world. So what are we going to do about that? Words of encouragement are so powerful. I heard this great story. Um, Some of you Laker fans in in the room will will maybe understand this. But on January 22nd of 2006, uh, Kobe Bryant had the best scoring game of his career. Uh, Anybody know how many points he scored? Yeah, 81, right? All you Laker fans, 81 points, right? Second highest in all of history, only second to Wilt Chamberlain. And the closest anyone's ever got is just, under, just above 70, right? 81 points he scored in one game. And it was so amazing. Um, one of the things that was most amazing about that game, and this is the part that a lot of people don't know, is that um, that particular night was the first and only time that his grandmother attended a game. He'd already played 1,300 games. Pretty amazing, right? And his grandmother had lots of different health issues and stuff like that. But she was there at that game to watch him make history. 
And in an interview later with Kobe, one of the most amazing pieces about that was this. Is Kobe said, you know, they're like, hey, you know, what, what happened that he's all, you know, and everybody's expecting him to say, oh, you know, I, I was just in the groove, right? I just couldn't do it wrong tonight. Just like everybody get the ball. I just, you know, it was it all. In the interview, he said, my grandmother was here tonight. And ever since I was a little kid, when I would go out and play basketball, I would come in and every day my grandma would tell me, you are going to be the greatest basketball player in the world. And that night, he proved her words right. Folks, that's, that's the power of encouragement. We live in a world where there's a spirit of discouragement. And we all know, because we all feel it on a regular basis. You know, Satan is called the accuser. He comes alongside, but he doesn't come in alongside and encourage. He comes alongside and he accuses us. He calls out your sin. And he keeps rubbing that in your face. And he keeps trying to take your attention off of God and put it back on your problems and your sin and your pain and your struggle and your discouragement. He's just there to discourage you over and over and over again and make you feel the shame and the pain of everything you think you've ever done wrong. That's who he is. He's an accuser. And he tries so hard to get you to believe the lies that he wants you to believe, that that you're simple, that you're worthless, that all these things like, you know, he just wants to discourage you over and over and over again because he's the accuser and he's the father of lies. And so he just keeps telling you and feeding you lies in hopes that you'll believe a lie that you're not worthy, that you never measure up, that you're all alone. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is... Just the opposite. He's not an accuser. He's our advocate. He's the one that comes alongside, puts his arm around us and says, no, you, you, that's not who you are. He comes alongside of us and reminds us who we really are as children of God. So the question that I have for you today is this. Will you join in the Holy Spirit's endeavor to push, press on in this work of encouragement and encourage one another? Because if the Holy Spirit is living in us and he is the encourager, then encouragement should just flow out of us. Encouragement ought to just like come naturally to us if we're people who are followers of Jesus Christ who have the Holy Spirit living in us. Encouragement should just flow all the time. You should never have a problem coming up with words of encouragement if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. I tell you this, if you have trouble encouraging other people, I would just double check, like, hey, where are you with Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit, he's just going to come in and naturally help us encourage. So the question is this, are we going to help the Holy Spirit? See, the evil one is out there spreading lies. Somebody needs to tell people the truth. The question, again, I have for you this morning is, will it be you? So folks, let's encourage one another. Let's stand up to the devil's lies and be empowered by the Holy Spirit, our encourager, and let people know what the real truth is. Let's come alongside others and call out the image of God in them. 
Let's call out the value of every single life. Let's, let's tell people the truth about who they were created to be, that they were created by God, that they are valued by God. Folks, if you're here this morning, you need to hear this. You are created by God. You are valued by God. You are known by God. You are loved by God. You have been chosen by God. And God loves you so deeply. God is for you. He is not against you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You are special and you are gifted. That is the truth of God's word. And the world needs to hear that truth. Because we live in a world that's trying to tear them all down. So will you join the Holy Spirit and encourage the people around you? Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, somebody's got to tell them the truth. I, I have this, um, uh, this envelope that I keep in, in the very back of the bottom drawer of my desk. Um, it's kind of a special envelope. I don't know if you can read it, but it says, notes to read on a bad day. Somebody told me to do this years ago, and so I've done it. There's a few of you who have notes that you've written to me in here, and they mean everything. I got to tell you, over the last couple of years, man, I have opened this envelope up a few times and just reread words of encouragement that people passed on. And folks, that is so huge and so important. I, I got to tell you, this, this, this has been so important for me. And so this morning, when you came in, uh, somebody gave you a note card, I think. Um, you should have all got one of these. Jimmy, I stole your sorry. You should have got one of these note cards in a little envelope. Um, now, hear this. Nothing beats, nothing beats a face-to-face -face encouragement. Man, when you go to the grocery store, you encourage that, per that checker at the, at the thing. When you go to work, right, tomorrow, you encourage that person next to you. You, you. you use your words to encourage. But man, having notes sometimes is huge. I have another envelope in my nightstand at home and they're all notes that my kids have written me, right? Because let's be honest, sometimes, as much as you love your kids, they break your heart too. And then you gotta go back and reread the note, right? <laughs> and remember how good it is. Um, but, um, so I gave all of you uh, uh, one of these. If you didn't get one, there should be some as you leave. Uh, here's what I want to encourage you to do, okay? And I know this may take a while. This may not be in your plans this morning. But um, we're, we're, we're going to close the service. But here's, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Before you leave this room, because you go, oh, good, I got a note card. I'll do it when I get home. No, you won't. I know you too well, right? Because you're going to go to lunch. You're going to stick it in your purse or it's going to end up underneath the seat of your car or something like that. Or maybe I'm just talking about what might happen in my world. But before you leave the room, write a note of encouragement to somebody. And then make sure that you send this off or hand this to them this week. Because they need it. In fact, as I was praying about this, this message today, I started getting excited I started getting excited about all the people who were gonna get a note this week. Because I know how excited I get sometimes when I get encouraging words sent to me. And I was thinking, man, when you look around this room and you think all of these people are gonna send encouragement to somebody else, there's gonna be a lot of encouragement that goes out this week. Think about who needs encouragement in your life. Folks, if your parent, your kids need encouragement, man, you just, you sending them off to school and who knows what people are saying to them, right? 
The person at work, maybe it's your boss who seems a bit grumpy lately. Man, if they seem grumpy lately, man, they need encouragement. Maybe it's the neighbor you don't talk too much. Maybe whoever it is, I would just say, write a note to somebody you haven't talked to or written to in a while and just encourage. Or maybe you're just calling out, say, hey, this is what I see in you and encourage them just with a note. And in that way, spread encouragement. It's no cop out for the daily words that we will use. And I hope you greet people well. I hope that you just spread encouragement. I hope the Holy Spirit will flow through you and encourage everyone you come in contact with. But let's start today with just a note of encouragement. And let's start that chain reaction of encouragement because, folks, our world is just trying to discourage people. So I'm excited about what's going to happen because you do that. And I also want to encourage you with one other thing. Remember to invite somebody to join us on Roundup Sunday. Encourage them to come, right? Say, hey, we're having this great thing at church. Like, come on Roundup Sunday, ride your bike, hike, walk, do it, give to the beach. Just, we're going to have a barbecue. Just encourage them to come because we want them to hear the truth about how much God loves them. So today, we're going to take communion as we typically do. So if you have your communion, pull this out. And I just want you to know this morning that this little, uh, this little cup, this little piece of bread, this is God's encouragement letter to you. I mean, think about this for a minute. This, this is God's encouragement to you. In these two little emblems, God looked at you and me and he said, you are worth it. He said, you are worth sending my one and only son, my perfect son to die on a cross in your place. He he wanted you with him for eternity so badly that he sent Jesus to die for you. Folks, if that is not encouraging, I don't know what is. And so each week as you take this, just remember, this is God's encouragement to you. You are worthy. You are my child. I love you enough to do this. And so let's take the bread that represents Jesus' broken body together. And the cup that represents Jesus' shed blood. Let's take that together. And now that you have been encouraged by what God has done for you, my prayer is that you will encourage others. So while we're singing, if if you have come today and you're discouraged and you need some encouragement, man, come up. I'm going to have our elders come up here towards the front of the platform. We'll have people in the back in the little prayer areas. If you need encouragement, man, come on. We, we just want to encourage you and pray with you today. If you need to know Jesus, man, come up and, and I'd love to talk to you about knowing Jesus and, and encourage you that way. Um, but write your note today and let's spread the joy and the hope of encouragement and join the Holy Spirit in his work to encourage people to be children of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you, Father, for 
the cross that reminds us of how much you love us. Father, thank you that you placed your Holy Spirit inside of us to encourage us. Father, would you help us as we encourage others? Father, we love you and we praise you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.